It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Feckin' Check-In, Feckin' Check-In Show. It's the Feckin' Check-In Show. Welcome to the Feckin' Check-In Show. Show. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Feckin' Check-In. I am Trainer, and with me as always is my co-host Toomey. How are you doing on this Wednesday evening, Toomey? I am very good on this Wednesday evening, the 16th of September, the day after the roadmap has been announced for Ireland's COVID. And Dublin currently is in level two. But as everyone knows, there's extra restrictions being applied to Dublin for some reason that that we don't know. We're not level three. We're not level two. We're in the middle. But that's just the way it is over here in Ireland. Everything is a little bit confusing. That's how I am. <laughs> it's, it's quite funny that you mentioned all of that coronavirus stuff, because recently I've been talking to a friend of mine. He's been binging on the feckin' check-in. Uh, shout out to Mark Cullen, who's living in Canada. And um. He was going through all the episodes from the very start up until the present day, um, and he mentioned that it's a quite a good diary of what's going on in Ireland during the coronavirus. Oh, <laughs> because it started obviously in April, and the coronavirus lockdown had was fresh in everybody's minds then. And I think unwittingly or not not deliberately, we've been given a regular update about how the coronavirus has affect, affected society. And obviously he's living in a different country, but he's from Ireland. So he said it was interesting to hear all that. That's good to hear. We've inadvertently become the coronavirus arc. Our whole podcast has been a coronavirus arc, I think. <laughs> On the sly the whole time. Uh, it's a golden goose was the coronavirus all, all along. <laughs> yes oh god i don't believe we just copped that on um uh, have we mentioned coronavirus in every single episode would you say or i don't think every single episode no i think there was a break during the during the um arc the noah's arc we didn't really mention it at all maybe in the wrestling one um, but not very frequently i should probably just get this off my chest the whole coronavirus planning for a wedding is extremely stressful this week uh, I don't know if the feckin' check-in is <laughs> the right place to, to share that, but I don't know how you're supposed to uh, plan a wedding when it's one one week you think it's 50 coming, then the next week you think Ireland, or Dublin's going to go up in the severity, the risk of the coronavirus is going to go up to level three. Um, and, and if that was the case, the attendance at the wedding was 25. So what do you do? Do you invite people? We haven't invited people yet. Do you invite 25? Do you invite 50? um it's all it's all over the place really so i just thought i'd get that off my chest as well well you you recently sent out your most recent invitation uh using the word recent twice there redundantly um (laughs) and uh, i thought you handled it well basically saying that um we may have to cut our numbers as it stands we can invite 50 we will contact you with any future updates about um people who've been cut you didn't put it like that (laughs) (laughs) that's the underlying message you might be cut (laughs) It's a bit like a glorified save the date now. Is it like it, it's marketed as a final invite, but mm. it can't be a final invite because of the situation. So it's a very strange uh, world. It is, but it's unprecedented. I mean, back in the era of TB, perhaps maybe they had the similar thing where you know people were dying left and right of TB and all that. Sorry, of I don't stuff know why it. I laughed at that. <laughs> <laughs> it was intended to be humorous. That's why you laughed. I think it was because you used the the shorthand TB. I don't know why I found that funny. <laughs> anyway, Tuberculosis. I was being facetious. Uh, okay, sure. Well, we get on with things anyway. You were talking about your wedding. Let's talk about your stag, which is the funny observation of the week. 
Yes, I will lead us out on the funny observation of the week. Last week, I had the listener on a cliffhanger or on tenterhooks, tenderhooks. Don't know what it's what's the correct pronunciation. Pronunciation. Do Does anyone know? Does anyone care? Anyway, uh, uh, we were talking about it last week, and I gave three reasons why it wouldn't go ahead. One was the coronavirus uh, um, increase in cases. The second reason was that people were cancelling because they were. Uh, pretending to be injured and then the, <laughs> the third reason um geez there was what was the third reason Does, uh something to do with um numbers no no oh. no it was the water the water oh, the, the sea shitty, yeah the shitty water in the sea so uh <laughs> to update the listener the uh coronavirus numbers didn't spike that much in the few days after the last podcast episode um the seawater, I became less concerned about that because I looked at individual reports for the 40-foot in particular and it's had excellent water quality for the last six months. Uh, it's regularly reviewed. Um, and then I got extra numbers uh, to uh, replace the people who were injured. So that's why it went ahead. I don't know if that's relevant or interesting to anybody, uh, but I'm just <laughs> documenting it. Um, yeah, and uh, a shout out to Simo and Stretch and the other people whose names I can't remember. <laughs> Simo and Stretch and Shiggins' young fella, Richard Shiggins, uh, Bino. Um, and I That's the other guy's name, was it? I didn't get his name. Yeah. Uh, Bino, indeed. Uh, yeah, so thank you to Park Celtic lad, those Park Celtic football club lads for joining at pretty short notice. They really uh, saved the day, etc. Um, but the funny observation, I guess, is uh, just it was an unusual day with different parts so there's like small anecdotes throughout it um so mm. we'll just share the list share it with the listener and let them judge if it's funny or not yeah <laughs> like every week like, like every week yes <laughs> okay well for i'd like to start off by saying that i wore shorts so for uh long-term listeners or medium term or even short-term listeners uh, <laughs> you'll be aware of my distaste for wearing shorts as a garment uh but I didn't think really that I could wear anything else in such a situation. It was hot weather um, and I did actually have a pair of shorts. I bought them a couple of years ago when I was in Sweden so I could use it at a gym in a hotel. Um, and I, I put them on and I wore a pair of shorts. And actually, do you know what? I didn't feel too conscious about my pasty legs because I was more conscious about the fact that I was fucking playing football in 2020 as a 34-year-old man. So the shorts were little concern to me. Uh, the sport was more of a concern. Mm -hmm. And regarding the shorts, I had scheduled 20 minutes of banter before the football started and I was nine minutes late, which was uh, pointed out by uh, Dara Agnew immediately as I arrived that I'd missed nine minutes of banter, which I'd scheduled. Um, but did they during that period, did they uh, remark on your legs and short wearing? Nobody remarked, actually, which is fair, you know, fair play to them for that, which was fair play to them. God almighty. Uh, that was fair play to them. <laughs> which, which it was. Uh, no, nobody remarked on it. Um, I think people are probably aware that I'm conscious of that. So, uh, yeah, I got a nice picture of me wearing shorts, though, which, you know, is a rare thing. So that is documented forevermore. Are you going to share that with the listener or the the, the Twitter follower? <laughs> uh, I suppose I could. Um, <laughs> it's not often that we share photos actually we never with do the follower so, yeah maybe for the laugh we'll see yeah with the follower yeah <laughs> and then we went in and we played a little bit of football <laughs> and uh what was I, I guess it wasn't that funny uh played football uh 
it, it was amusing to watch you uh, run around and some of the other people who are not familiar with football or haven't played in a while. Um, but you made a good fist of it and you ran around quite well. Uh, I ran course. around quite well, yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, do you know, Timmy, I hated every second of it, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I Never have I felt more awkward than when I'm on a football pitch and there's lads running around and they're shouting, shouting the odds. And it's I like, was shouting a lot. Yeah, try to get in the middle. And I'm like, and do what? (laughs) I can't do anything. I tried to kick the ball a few times. I had a 50% accuracy rate, I'd say. Half the time it went off in another direction. Um, And I was frequently toe-bogging or toe-poking the ball uh, because I don't know how to kick footballs properly in a stressful situation. So uh, I ended up with a severely bruised foot. (laughs) uh, Yeah, that was kind of funny. (laughs) Uh, so yeah. my big toe on my right foot I'm like I, as far as I was aware I'm left footed but who knows um, my big toe on my right foot uh, is swollen still and, yeah uh, it seemed pretty bad it, it was quite sore and there was a lot of bruising all down the front and side of my toe and my foot um, so that was a good crack I was <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then I, I fucked up my lower back as well so I've had back injuries in the past and <clears throat> I can't really run Um I can maybe for short periods of time, but I think it was the shifting positions while running at short notice to my body, like as in you'd be kind of running towards the ball and then you'd shift in another direction then you'd shift in another direction. And my back was in absolute ribbons later on that night and it's still quite sore. So I came out of that with uh, two injuries and uh, <laughs> a sense of uh, worthlessness. Deflation. <laughs> and I remember we were trying to work out the time and say how much is left. And I remember I said to you, there's 15 minutes left. And you look like the most disappointed man in the in the world. Because <laughs> yeah. I previously hinted that that we were nearly finished. Well, prior to that, somebody said 20 minutes left, we'll have time for one more match. And we were playing first team to five. And then one of the teams scored five, obviously within five minutes. Uh, and then I was like, all right, that's grand. Uh, that's I didn't really know how long it had taken at that point. And I was like, that's it. Three football matches and we're done. And then I think Ross said, oh, we 15 minutes left. We'll be having another match. And I died a million deaths inside. Yeah, you looked, you didn't look happy at all. And then I think the other funny thing you may have noticed or, or remarked on from uh, football is that when the match ends, it just ends. Everyone <laughs> just walks off. You found that Yeah. Funny. So I thought that was funny, yeah, or just bizarre because... To me, like, what what's always touted by people who play football into their adult years is it's a great social outlet, right? And I can understand to a certain degree because people are playing in a kind of community spirit with each other and they're, yet you're dependent on other team members and there is a lot of, you know, um, interaction between people on the football pitch. Not really any talking, more shouting and barking orders and stuff like that. But um, you depend on one another on the pitch. And, and I would assume having really no experience of it that helps to build bonds between men let's say um but after the match people talked for about 90 seconds and then everybody went home and to me i was just stunned by that because not that you know there was anything planned especially the people who weren't going on the stag but it was like all right that's over okay all right see you yeah bye <laughs> and, and it's like okay it's all about you know building bonds and you know a social occasion but to me it's it's about as social as going to the cinema which i've always maintained isn't a social occasion at all because you basically go you meet up with somebody you sit in the dark for two hours and then you go home and you don't really interact with each other except maybe a short period after the film where you talk about it 
Well, I think like that, it depends on the people involved. Some people would chat after it or they'd go into the changing rooms and have banter, dressing room banter. That's sometimes where that uh, uh, occurs. Um, but yeah, with five sides, a lot of times people just walk off because I guess the social bond or the social kind of interaction is actually within the football, like enjoying the football together, passing it to each other. There's actually a lot of back and forth social communication in that for me anyway and I feel like I don't want to or I don't feel the need to talk to somebody after it and this is just me I've never used football for a social outlet I've used it for purely the sport and the enjoyment of that and being on a team during the match and enjoying that intensity and sharing with others but yeah I've I've yeah of course I've gotten into the bantery and the drinking nights outside of things but that was always for me a not the main thing it was like an add-on um so, so there you go. That's kind of my perspective on it. Yes, as I said, I don't really have experience of all of that. So, you know, somebody could just be like, what the hell are you talking about? You haven't got a clue what you're talking about, which is fair enough. Um, but to me, it was just like, all right, it's done. See ya. Yeah. <laughs> Zoom call ended. Yeah. See you now. Bye. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, we went on from that to the 40 foot, which was uh, a good good laugh as well. Um, we So there was, I think about five of us went down and three of us got in. No, six of us uh, went down and three of us got in. Six, yeah. Me, John, and Richard Cody hung about on the rocks and, and perved. Yeah, at least you and Richard Cody made it clear from the start you weren't getting in. John did this leaning thing where he, he had his hands on his hips and he was like, to- you could see he was toying with the idea of getting in. And he brought his swimming gear as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So he was yeah. standing there, his hands on his hips and his swimming gear in his bag. Yeah, but he had stated in the car, so he was basically driving me around the whole day. He stated in the car that he wasn't going to get in, but he'd bring a swimming gear anyway, just in case. Um, but then, yeah, then he didn't. Obviously. We tried to cajole him, uh, but he just, he was kind of staring at the sea. He was staring through us as we were cajoling him to get in. So <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> yeah, cajolement was not successful on this occasion. Yeah, and I can I can report that the water was not uh, dirty. It was very nice once we got in. Um, unfortunately, it might be one of the, the last uh, kind of gatherings like that that might happen for a few weeks with the old coronavirus. Um, but it was good to get into the water. There was a good few people there, but everyone had a bit of distance. And we stayed in for about 10 minutes. Uh, the, first, the first two minutes were freezing, as is normal, and then we kind of swam around. Um, so it was good crack, and then we uh, we went back to to my to my apartment and ordered Bujo burgers, um, for everybody, and then we had uh, pints later on as well. And I realised during the pints bit at the end that you were a bit quiet because we, I, and I thought it was because we were talking about football a, a lot, but then I was thinking actually later on maybe it's because you were in severe pain. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I think it was a combination of both. Um, there was a lot of football talk, but I couldn't get a comfortable position on any seat I sat on for that entire rest of that day. Um, so we were sitting on your sofa in your apartment, which at the best of times is a very nice, comfortable sofa. But when you're having back issues, there's no support on a seat like that. And uh, I just couldn't get comfortable on it. So I was shifting my position all afternoon. I don't know if anybody noticed. Um, <laughs> and then when we got to the pub, it was these really low kind of seats. And I just couldn't fucking get comfortable all night. And then there was football talk as well. I've actually found football talk kind of interesting. There was discussions about like uh, skill levels of various people we knew and were in school with and, and that type of thing. Basically, I thought that was kind of interesting. Basically, it was a why didn't X person make it Yeah, <laughs> for, for three hours? Why didn't I make it? What, what what should yeah. I have done? Yeah. 
but no it was it was interesting to a degree but i i was just so fucking uncomfortable physically and yeah i was yeah, a bit quiet I, which I, is I sense that unusual for me in a pint situation to be quiet but yes yeah and it was an unusual as well that we got takeaway food served into the pub from a nearby restaurant uh we got like pizzas delivered to us and it was also unusual that we were kicked out at half 10 which technically left about another half an hour or so to get into the next pub but then when we went into the next pub they said they couldn't let us in because their kitchen was closed i thought that was a bit bizarre well that's in line with the rules though you have to have a meal when you go into a pub so i, I wasn't surprised by that no i was surprised I, I was surprised about it because that technically means you can only go into the pub when the kitchen is open so either the kitchen hours should be extended or it should be maybe uh advertise that you can't enter after a certain time i think yeah yeah but i mean i've i've maintained this since the start of this uh pub serving a substantial meal rule was introduced so they're supposed to kick you out after an hour and 45 minutes but i've always said since the start like if you're booking a table for 8 p.m you're going to be finished technically at 9 45 no one in their right mind books dinner for 9 45 uh so realistically you're going to be able to stay in the pub until it closes and in any situation i've been in a pub since this rule was implemented i've never been asked to leave and i've always kind of booked a table for eight half eight that type of time so it, yeah it's, it's 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 weird and bizarre yeah but i have seen pubs refusing people after the kitchen is closed as well that's that's kind of standard yeah i suppose it kind of makes sense now that i'm now that we're talking about it like i suppose you need to leave an hour and a half to get your meal into you so if you go in at half 10 then there's not enough time to get the meal out to you maybe even if the kitchen was open. Possibly, yeah, but no no kitchens stay open that late anyway. That's not normal at all. Like they don't be serving food till midnight in pubs. <laughs> yeah, that's, but yeah, it could be done that's easy. Very Who'd be going for fucking food at, at ten PM? But I've i I've seen food like uh platters and stuff brought brought around to uh within pubs later in the evening. Maybe not ten PM but but towards that. Like have you not seen that? It's it's still usually within like pub clo- kitchen closing hours are usually about nine or ten. Uh, that's standard enough. Uh, so uh, yeah, I don't know. It's probably <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, well there we go. Had you any kind of other observations about the st- stag series of uh, semi funny observations? Not really. We did play Who Wants to Be a Millionaire online, and we won a million, which was kind of satisfying. But we won it on our second go, which kind of ruined it. <laughs> yeah. We could never get back to that, the pedestal. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's uh, that's going to do it for the funny observation of this week. And then we'll move on to entertainment. So <clears throat> entertainment for this week was an idea of mine. And it's to do with the concept of star ratings. Ah, yes. So star ratings, you'll be familiar with them. They are featured on things like Netflix, uh, Amazon. Film critics use them in reviews. They're featured for reviewing albums in magazines and newspapers, and they've been around for a long time. I don't know when they started, to be perfectly honest, but they are fairly uh, omnipotent. They're all over the place. Star ratings. Standard is rating between one and five. One star being a terrible album, film, or product on Amazon, and five being the best possible rating you can bestow upon something. Absolutely. But the system itself, I find is inherently flawed 
and I will tell you why. I'll make a few points and I'll explain to you why. Uh, so Robert Ebert was a famous film critic. Uh, his reviews are highly regarded even to this day. He's been dead now for several years, but he was famous um, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever, for reviewing films. And he typically had a star rating system up to four stars. So if you're thinking four stars, you're thinking one is the worst, two is possibly worth a watch, three is pretty good, and four is excellent, you should definitely watch it. But then he started introducing things like half stars, right? So if you're writing in stars, I think you should write in full increments or not at all. Because half stars really, if you're writing out of four, is really a rating between one and eight. So why not just have eight be your top mark and give films an eight, a seven, a six, a five, a four, or whatever, right? When you're introducing incremental stars, I think it it, it uh, undermines the star rating concept. What undermined it further with Robert Ebert was that he, on occasion, would give films zero stars out of four, right? So that's actually a, that's actually a rating out of 11. And let me explain how it is. <laughs> zero, zero being the first rating, then you got 0.51, 1.52, 2.53, 3.54, 4.55. That's 11 increments in the rating system. So if you're going to write between 0 and 5 in half-star increments, why not just write your films out of 11? Uh, 11 is a weird number, but he's the one who introduced it by introducing 0 stars into a 4-star system. So why not just say, this film gets 9 out of 11, this film gets 7 out of 11, this film gets 3 out of 11. Uh, but knowing <laughs> would him, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have been able to control himself and he would have started giving things like 10 and a half and 0 out of 11 and 4.75 out of 11. So I think when you start just like you know, allowing yourself increments and zeros, it just undermines the entire thing. I'll give you another example, right? So Dave Meltzer, haven't talked about wrestling in a while, but Dave Meltzer is the world's most famous wrestling journalist. He's been reporting on and writing about wrestling since the 80s. And he has a five-star rating system, or he did, for matches. Um, So he rates his matches between typically one and five stars, or he did for a very long time. Then he started introducing zero stars as well, right? Undermines the whole thing. You know, you're writing things... Uh, out of six then if it's between zero and five but then he started introducing quarter stars half stars and three quarter stars right and when you're writing between zero and five and there's quarter increments i can't even work out how many that is but it's a writing system out of about something like 25 uh so (laughs) or 24 or 26 even maybe 26 and you're like why not just give something 11 out of 26 or 14 out of 26 because that sounds ridiculous doesn't it but is any more ridiculous than 3.75 stars out of five um but then to, to undermine his entire system that he'd been using for many, many years, uh, in 2016, I think, he introduced a six-star match. So it was, let me just bring it up here. Yeah, sorry. So it was it was January 4th in uh, 2017, the, the New Japan Pro Wrestling Tokyo Dome show, which is an annual event. It was Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega at Wrestle Kingdom 11, and he awarded the match six stars. So he's essentially given it six stars out of five because for about 25 years prior to this, or 35 years, sorry, he'd been using the five-star rating system. Um, So how can something get six out of five, you might ask? Or was every other previous match that was rated five stars rated five out of six? And <laughs> Does that are we to they look have up? to be re-rated now? Are we to look upon those matches? Then, to make it even worse, he started introducing 6.25, seven-star oh, yeah. matches. I think the highest he's awarded now is even is either 7 or 7.25. And you're like, fucking hell, come on, just control yourself, man. He, and he's, like, ru- he's ruined his whole career. Why can't something be a five-star match that is relative to its time? So let's say in 1982, he rated, um, I don't know, Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan, uh, a five-star match. And... 
that was a five star match for the standard at standard at the time. But then in 2017, Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega is a five star match. To give something six point two five or six or seven, it just throws the whole thing into disarray. I know. Sorry, I realize I've been talking for a long time. Do you have any opinions on this? <laughs> well, I've had I've had some time to to think about some responses. Uh, one thing I I would say is that it reminds me of the way well it of the way they didn't rate uh, video games. When we were growing up, they used to have video game magazines and you'd have the latest review of the PlayStation game coming out, Gran Turismo Mm. 2. And they used a percentage system, so it would be 93%. And then um, they also rated platinum games so they actually re-reviewed platinum games which had been reviewed like three or four years ago so platinum games were games that sold particularly well and then they were sold at a reduced price i think it was about 20 pounds uh, they used to be like 40 pounds before that so let's say gta one came out on platinum they do another mm-hmm. review of that and then they adjust the percentage accordingly so I thought that that was a a good way around that. I can see Meltzer's problem. He's trying to like take into account the the increase in quality over time, um. But like, I guess the way, the only way to do that is to re is to be do it in a revisionist way, um. Like yeah. To revise the what's in the past, like you can't you can't start giving the current stuff extra stars that don't exist. Exactly. So, so, but see, the other thing was, yeah, I, I see your point, but he couldn't reevaluate thirty-five years worth of star ratings. Uh, <laughs> That's what he'd have to do if he wanted to, to do it properly, rather than throwing out six stars or seven stars. Yeah, uh, but see, and and I and I I take your other point as well, where the quality of wrestling has increased massively in the last thirty-five years to the point where the wrestlers are so athletic now, so athletically gifted, and you know nobody's plodding through a match and waiting to get to the finish brother you know they're actually really putting their all into it and like across the bo- across the board in almost every wrestling company the quality of wrestling is it's just far and away beyond like like anything from the 80s or 90s even um mm. it's a difficult I th- one i still think you should rate things relative to their own time like Yes. He didn't he didn't change his ratings between 1982 and 2005 let's say and in 2005 the WWE main roster was probably the best it had been ever. Uh, you had the likes of Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio uh, all flying about the place. The quality of wrestling had massively increased since the 80s yet he didn't add additional stars then. So why in 2017 after you've established a career for 35 years do you undermine the entire thing by just losing the run of yourself and just lashing out stars left and right? Now in fairness He's only done this three or four times, given <laughs> extra stars. But we'll have to get him on also, the second check-in show to to answer him. For I himself. will, as well as that, him and his his, his uh, broadcast partner have rated things minus five stars. Right? <laughs> oh no! So so oh, you've he's, got he's obviously he's lost it. Is, is he okay? Got, he's, <laughs> he's, <laughs> well, no. He the minus five stars thing goes back to the nineties. So you've got minus five, minus four point seven five, minus four point five, no, minus no. four. Yeah, no, I'm not going to no, go through the whole no. thing. But, this guy. But you're, this guy. <laughs> You've gone into probably hundreds of increments when you're including 0.25 increments, zero, uh, up to seven. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, uh, and this guy's just... the most credible wrestling commentator, reviewer type guy. Is he critic is the word I was looking for. Do you know what? This... He, he kind of has a monopoly now because he was around for so long and he published the dirt sheet, the Wrestling Observer. So this was the uh, actual physical newsletter that gave you the inside information on wrestling when it didn't exist anywhere else, really. So... Like all the people in the industry used to buy this and they used to live and die by it. And some still do. 
obviously now anyone with a website and a, a, a laptop can you know provide dirt on the wrestling industry but Melter has been around so long and he's so established that he is still the most prominent and it's almost by default and by monopoly um but to me so could i just make one point i think i agree with, with what you were saying uh, about rating people in the context of the time that they're in i think that's definitely the way to do it and i think when people compare sports stars from the current era with the past um they forget that and they start using stats so for example in basketball um people will compare um Steph Curry his ability to to shoot three pointers versus Michael Jordan's ability to shoot three pointers so Steph Curry mm. now ha- has a much higher percentage of three pointers success than than uh, Michael Jordan did but the game has completely changed the game has has become much more focused on three pointers and and hitting the ball from further out when Michael Jordan was playing it was very rare to take a three pointer in a game um so like that the whole way that sport is played completely changes over time and it's it's the same with wrestling i guess it's the same with movies as well but i think especially in sports what people run into difficulty when they use stats uh in the context of the current uh sport and and compare people for stats like this guy scored ryan giggs only scored five goals in 2001 and um Eden Hazard scored 24 goals or or whatever like it it doesn't quite like it doesn't quite um match up yeah it's it's kind of apples and oranges and they they do a good thing when they talk about box office for films so they might say gone with the wind grossed x amount of dollars but they always adjust it for inflation as well so when making a comparison between gone with the wind and avatar for example they'll put it all in today's money which is a really good way of doing it because it normalizes everything then yeah that's it that is a good way to do it and maybe that is what Meltzer should do he should some, find some sort of mechanism to adjust his previous reviews for inflation yeah, possibly. So give all the five stars. Actually, I don't even know what he what he would do. It's it's a fucking I don't know. It's a, next it's, week's it's... guest on the fucking check in, <laughs> Dave Melser. And one more final thing. Sorry, people soliciting five star ratings. So we have never solicited a five star rating on this podcast until nor now. <laughs> nor will we ever. Like, but it's it's commonplace on podcasts. It's like, please go on uh, iTunes and rate us five stars, and they're like, because that's important for getting you up in the algorithm. Blah 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 blah. No, like, fuck off. If you think it's worth five stars, rate it five stars. It reminds me of elections, local elections, general elections, presidential elect- elections, where the poster is demanding that you vote this candidate number one. It's like vote number one, and you're looking at it going, relax the cacks, Michael D Higgins. I might vote you number one if I think you're the best person for the fucking job but don't try and order me around with your posters because every time i go down the street i've got 20 different posters telling me to vote somebody number one uh, <laughs> if, if election posters were more reasonable they would say please vote me for number one <laughs> if you think i'm the best person the best or most likely candidate uh, to do the best job obviously that's not a snappy soundbite but it's like every single poster is telling you to vote number one half of the podcasts you listen to are telling you to rate them five stars those are not genuine ratings that's forced that's that's like the charity muggers again they're they're trying to guilt you into giving giving them that rating it would really mean a lot to me it would bring me up the rating and people would like my podcast more and then i'd be more successful i'd really appreciate it even saying like share and subscribe which i've never done in my life it's like if people want to like it or share and subscribe they will you shouldn't have to say it (laughs) Can I just say that that accent I did was about, it was imitating nobody in particular, um, in case anyone was offended. I don't know who could be offended to me because nobody sounds like that. So. <laughs> it's a weird, weird hybrid. I think we're getting stars in our eyes now, trainer. 
So right. it might be time to move on. I think it is time to move on. All right. So the next rant on fucking check-in <laughs> is... Uh, up now. This was your one. <laughs> go on, go ahead. Oh, what is it? I have to get out of my phone to, re- to remind myself. What is it? Tell you what it is. It's uh, social media um, birthday greetings, social media Father's oh, Day yeah. greetings. So- social media. Uh, it's things that the person is beside you in the room. It's their birthday. They mean a lot to you. Tell them. <laughs> Don't put it up on, on social media. This person means so much to me. Happy birthday. I'm, I'm so happy to be with him. Sorry, I was doing another accent. <laughs> this per- and it's just like, it reminds me of speeches. You invite people over to your, your house for a dinner party, or they do on The Real Housewives of LA. <laughs> and they have dinner, and they get up after and do a toast. And the toast is really, for the wife, for example, stands up, and says how great the husband is and uh, how much he means to her as a husband and stuff. And I think that's very nice. But like mm. you can say that to him in private. Like why? Like you don't have to, to dedicate. You don't have to do a dedication to him in front of everybody. Like mm. and I realize I'm getting married <laughs> in a few weeks and that's a form of that. But that and, you, uh, and you'll be doing exactly that. I'll be doing exactly speech. that. In the wedding that's allowed though. That's allowed. That's but there's, I think there's an excess when I see the likes of that on social media. It's just for me anyway. I mean, there's good intentions behind it. Nobody's trying to offend anyone or or thinks they're <laughs> doing nothing wrong. It's just when you see it so often or or another one is when people have, um, they've graduated college or they've got their PhD or they've passed their Viva. They do go into a soliloquy speech about mm. how, like how much is meant to them and the challenges they've overcome. Like, I don't know. It's just, there's just too much of this on social media. It's just, you, you turn on your Twitter feed and that someone else has, has gone through some struggle or someone's achieved something or something. A lot of them actually sensitive one is, is when people die and stuff like it's like, I know that again, it's good intention, but it just cheapens the whole thing for me when all of these like real intimate life events, even birthdays uh, or anniversaries or whatever are going up online. It's just like, why? Why are they being posted online? Maybe it's me. I maybe I'm the, the weirdo. Well, well, I yeah, and I, I I can relate as well in 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 things like where people wish their father or mother a happy Father's or Mother's Day, and I know for a fact that their parents are not on social media. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're looking at it going. The recipient of this praise and adulation cannot even witness this. Uh, so they're doing it for everybody else is the short answer to that question. And and to maintain and perpetuate a, an image online and a persona, basically. Yeah, but I wonder, is it... They're obviously not thinking that themselves when they do that. They they must be thinking, this is a nice thing to do and this is a something that my partner will be happy about or something. It must be, they, d- mu- they mustn't be I thinking, I need to look, make myself and my partner look good. I don't know. I I think some people are thinking that very thing and they're definitely <laughs> perpetuating a social image. We live in an era where an influencer is a real job. Yeah, that's true. And you've got all these, you know, underling influencers or wannabe influencers or just people. And, you know, I've done it. I've posted pictures of things um, and probably beneath the facade of 
oh, it's show, social media. I'm just posting a photo. It's probably to show other people that I have a social life and I'm having a good time. And yeah. I think there are, there are layers of that. And now, I'm not going to wish somebody who's not on social media a happy fucking whatever day. But yeah, I, I think that there, there are levels of it and some people go to the extreme. I think it's not. I think it's just that you see it so often. Like, and you see it to people from people, sorry, who are from your outer circles and then your outer Twitter follow people you follow and people you're not close to with people who are not in your close, intimate social circle. And then there's, they're posting all this stuff and it's just like a, it's everywhere. It's just like, yeah. you, can, you can't care about somebody who's number 767th friend on Facebook. Not that I have that many, but <laughs> like you can only really like I think there's this thing called Dunbar's number and it, it's really I think the number is 50 and it's like the maximum amount a human being can like care about um, and I think it's just on social media you just see people all over the place and it's just it's, I don't know it's just my reaction now is just because it's everywhere it's just to switch off um, mm. but at the same time like those types of posts get loads of likes and lots of well wishes and stuff so but the well wishers are in it for themselves as well <laughs> go on <laughs> well they need to keep up appearances so if they don't like it that will be noted by some people oh miriam didn't like my ho- my post about my husband yeah <laughs> so miriam is just liking you know to keep up appearances and then if miriam is really full of herself she'll put up a fucking gushing comment underneath it <laughs> yeah Joe, here's one I saw recently. Somebody had uh, passed their PhD Viva, right? And they have a supervisor. And they publicly thanked the supervisor on Twitter. Thank you so much to X, Mr. X for being such a wonderful supervisor. Blah, 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 blah. But I'm thinking, like, he was probably there at your Viva. Uh, you probably talked to him an email after the Viva. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you talked on the phone, or at least. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, and sorry, do you make a speech at one of those things as well? Uh, well, not really, because you go in and you defend your PhD and uh, you kind of come out and it's kind of a celebratory mood after it, like you might go for a drink. But one of the first things you would probably do is contact your supervisor, I would say. Mm, and thank them. And thank them, yeah. <laughs> so you've thanked them in person, you've probably celebrated with them, and then you you go online to do the same. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like it's showing off, but I mean, perhaps a podcast is showing off as well. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> In a more nuanced way. Yeah. Look at us. Look how good at speaking we are. You could speak in private. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's I true. I could say all this shit to you in private to me. And I guess, yeah, there would, if you took my view, then everything, then nothing would be online. I mean, no one would um, do anything. Yeah. You, could, you, could, you could keep how good of a filmmaker you are to yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't need to show everybody. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't know. Like, I know I'm only messing. I know, I know you're being Taking a bit facetious, but like, I think there's a difference. I'm not saying where artists are, like creatives or whatever. Actually, I am. <laughs> but when you're sharing stuff that's creative or something you've done, that is organic to share it. That, yes, to me, is different. Like no, I know. I yeah, I know. So I was only taking the piss there because I just thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but I yeah, don't no, know. The... I feel like I'm a bit of a prick for saying this. I feel like I'm wrong though. At the same time, I feel like I'm discounting the kindness of the people or the the good intent of the people who are uh, posting this stuff, and that to some level, even if they are showing off, some level they're 
they have good intention behind it. Oh, maybe they do. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, unless we're going to ask them all. Uh, write in to the fucking check-in at gmail.com and explain yourself. Explain, explain yourself. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's that was short and snappy. Uh, maybe we shouldn't alienate too many more of our uh, social uh, circles. So let's just draw a line under that one. Yes. <laughs> okay, and we're going to go on to the final point of the evening. Well, not the evening, whatever. Uh, the podcast, and this is Kernel of Truth. And this one now, I I have a I have a qualifying thing to say about this one after I read it out. But um, <clears throat> I was scrolling through Facebook of all places, and I saw this quote, and that's a dangerous place to be going through Facebook oh, looking no. at quotes. Um, but this was allegedly anyway from Charles Bukowski, which was one of the you know beat poets or you know those type of guys. Uh, Jack Kerouac was in the same group i haven't read any of their works to be perfectly honest what, what nationality is he bukowski was american i don't american. know if he was um what his ethnicity was exactly obviously that's kind of a polish sounding name i don't know if he was born in america uh, he certainly lived in america and he was a famous kind of uh barfly writer um very influential on the likes of tom waits and people like that you know his 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 works are still highly regarded to this day anyway german german american uh, poet yeah German, okay, there we go. A so novelist this, it, and short story writer. Yeah, you're Googling it there. <laughs> this this is a quote from Bukowski, allegedly. Uh, and when nobody wakes you up in the morning, and when nobody waits for you at night, and when you can do whatever you want, what do you call it? Freedom or loneliness? Ooh. Oh, now, yes. Initially, that kind of, not kind of, initially that hit home for me because I can relate to it. But I didn't bloody bother to check the authenticity of the quote um, until directly before the podcast. And that's a bad position to be in as a human man because uh, Facebook is obviously littered with the likes of alleged quotes from Marilyn Monroe and John Lennon and Anthony Hopkins and people who've allegedly said things that are very wise and philosophical. Uh, I mean, if you're to look at the quotes attributed to Marilyn Monroe, she's the most forward-thinking, philosophically sound and intelligent woman who's ever lived um, <laughs> based on what you'd see in your newsfeed. <laughs> and Lennon and his quote about you know, his teacher asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up when he was age five. And he said, happy. And his teacher said, I don't think you understand the assignment. And Lenin said, I don't think you understand life. Of course, that never happened. Um, was that Lenin, the Russian? Uh, no, like John, John. John Lenin, the, the okay. English Beatle. Um, but <laughs> anyway, but but uh, so I didn't verify the authenticity of this, which I'm a bit embarrassed about. And then I did a quick Google before I uh, went and pressed record. And while I could find various references to the quote online not one of them cited the source so if this is a fictitious or falsely attributed Bukowski quote I apologize uh, wholeheartedly because I strongly dislike that type of carry on well we have to admit here on the feckin check-in we do a minimal amount of research and we also don't really apologize for that at the same time. <laughs> yeah, but but this is one of the types of things that I would give out about on another episode, so I can't just, you know, speak out of both sides of my mouth. Uh, <laughs> if the listener 
find the the origins of the quote, please write into us. Um, the feckin' chicken. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to read that out again because I, you know, interrupted yes. it too much. Yes. <laughs> And when nobody wakes you up in the morning and when nobody waits for you at night and when you can do whatever you want, what do you call it? Freedom, freedom or loneliness. So <clears throat> I'm, I'm kind of tired of dancing around this topic myself. I split up with my wife in November 2019. Uh, savvy listeners will have noticed the difference in me referring to like Grace, who was and still is my wife. I'll get that in a second. Uh, referring to Grace and then all of a sudden referring to like my ex or my partner at the time or my girlfriend at the time. It's very strange to have to make that shift, especially when you're referencing historical things like getting your first apartment, which I think I mentioned on a previous episode or something that happened like a year and a half ago. So, you know, we are still married. We're not together. We haven't divorced. I can't say my ex-wife. I'm hardly going to say my current wife because that is misleading. Um, So it's very strange for me to... I don't know how to address that. And I say a different thing every time, basically. But I'd like to just be open and say, we split up with each other in November and it's September now. It's 10 months later. I'm going out with somebody else. I'm quite a lot happier than I was for a while afterwards. But yeah, just in case you've noticed any of that. And if you were listening to old episodes of Open Us and it sounds like I'm in a long-term relationship or marriage and then you're listening to this and you're like, what the fuck is going on? That's what's going on. Now it's all out in the open. Great. I'd say, yes, you've gotten that off your chest, which is great. And the the thing I just wanted to comment on that before you go into it, we'll have to repeat the quote again, nearly. But uh, I just wanted to make a quick comment. Uh, it's not your fault that there is no term for somebody who's separated but the, the divorce hasn't gone through yet. And that's an administrative nonsense, basically. It's There's a clerical sh- error in it's English. It's a clerical <laughs> error in society and English. Yeah, the divorces oh, should happen really quickly, shouldn't they? They should just be like, yeah, we went down into the office and got divorced. That's it. Done. I, yeah, I don't know, though. I don't know either. I, I'm in two minds about that because people could be quite rash with those things. You know, like after the dust settles, maybe... I don't know. Who's, who knows? Anyway, I'd just like to also include that it wasn't uh, acrimonious. There was no, nobody cheated on anybody or anything like that. It was a mutual thing and that's that. But um, anyway, <laughs> okay. <laughs> after we split up, uh, I lived yeah. alone for a while, uh, for three months. And the things, you know, that annoy you maybe about your partner, like, uh, the one who might be getting you up in the morning or, you know, texting you at 2 a.m. when you're out with your work friends and going, where are you? Are you coming home? All of those things that you, you might feel like, you know, in, in moments that you, you want to break free from. You're like, oh, you know, I'm just out, you know, I'll be home, whatever. I found actually that when nobody was waking me up in the morning and when nobody was waiting up for me at night, that I fucking was quite lonely uh, when I took a cold, hard look in the mirror. And the things that used to annoy me actually turned out to be the things that I missed. And that's a kind of perverse relationship with uh, something. I don't know what, but uh, it was like those types of things that used to bother me where somebody would be concerned when I was coming home and uh, making sure I got up for working time in the morning. When they were absent, that led to a, a, a quite a long period of loneliness for me. So I think when Bukowski uh, talks about it here, if it is him who said it, uh, it for me, it certainly initially didn't seem like freedom, even though freedom in my head is what I wanted sometimes. It was definitely loneliness. Mm, yeah, it's, it's one of those weird ones where you're craving freedom in the moment. But then, yeah, I, I wonder is the question, can you have that freedom without accepting the loneliness? I mean. Yeah, 
And it, it kind of reminds me of another thing as well. When I was a lot younger, um, I was working in Tesco uh, during one of the years where I, I was repeating college. I was repeating externally, so I wasn't going into lectures. So I got a job in Tesco and I was working in the stock control office. And um, I used to have to be in at 7 a.m. So I had to get up at half six or even earlier. And uh, my dad used to call me for work at about half six or slightly earlier. And uh, that meant he had to get up, obviously, at half six as well. Um, he would have been retired at the time so he had absolutely no reason to be getting up and um, I'd be in bed and I used to get infuriated by the sound of his voice in the morning because it was so early but if it hadn't been for him I wouldn't have been getting up put it that way but one one morning I got so annoyed I told him to fuck off (laughs) and to stop calling me in the morning that if I was late it was my own fault and I was an adult and I could go to my job myself I didn't need him to call me and lo and behold, he stopped calling me for a few days and I was late every single day because <laughs> uh, I didn't get up. And uh, then he just started calling me again and we never spoke about it again. But <laughs> Until now, until he's but, listening to this podcast. But during the time that he wasn't calling me, I was like, I felt a weird kind of sense of loss <laughs> or like that, that nobody gave a shit about me. Um, and the reason he was calling me is because he did give a shit about me obviously and he didn't want me to be late for work and he fucking knew as well that I wouldn't get myself up because I was a little pup uh, <laughs> and I wasn't yet ready to have a full-time job and you know be responsible but it's almost as if you need to go through that journey to realize what you had in a way because like if you don't ha- if you don't live through that sense of freedom then you're kind of going to be craving it because you you look at it with rose tinted glasses like if i was free if there was no one calling me up if i had no time to go home if i could sleep in and (laughs) if i could drink at 11 o'clock in the morning or whatever it is like Mm. but then you realize when you get the opportunity to do that i think this is what you're hinting at and what the quote hints at is is that it's it's lonely it's not that good and you feel like nobody cares about you so that's the downside of freedom and you don't see that so so it's almost as if you have to go through a period of freedom to realize that it's not so good it's it's that grass is always greener thing isn't it yeah exactly and there's a really good episode of the original twilight zone uh it's something i can't remember it it might just be called time or all the time in the world or something like that and uh burgess meredith who played mickey in the rocky films and uh, the penguin in the original batman series or not the original batman series but the one from the 60s which is always referenced um with adam west in it um he is the star of the episode and he basically laments the fact that he doesn't have enough time to read all of the books that he wants to read and his life is so busy and if he only had the time and if he only had uh you know space from everybody else he was taking up time in his life then he would be so much happier and then he wakes up one morning and everybody has disappeared off the earth and he, he has all the time in the world and he has all his books around him and he realizes that without anybody else there he has nothing and it's a beautiful episode of an excellent TV show, by the way. If you've never watched that, the original Twilight Zone is fucking brilliant. And the absolute uh, inspiration for Black Mirror, I reckon. And I think that's pretty common knowledge. That's a really cool uh, metaphor. And I think it's like when you're with somebody, let's say in a relationship, you're automatically uh, producing meaning for yourself because what you're doing, you're doing for the other person and what they're doing, they're doing it for you. And you're thinking of a future together and creating a shared experience together. When you're on your own there, it's just you and your own. There's no one to share. You might've thought of a wonderful idea and you might've written it down on an A4 pad, but there's, there's, <laughs> if there's nobody to share it with, then it's, it's, it's not, 
it's not going to be meaningful. And I think that's, yeah, that's, that's the difficult part about having all the, all of that freedom. I think there is a way to go through that. I spent like, as you know, three years living on my own in Southampton. Yeah. Um, I think you, you come eventually to accept that and you come to realize that if you're going to enjoy yourself being on your own and spending lots of time on your own, you have to make an effort for yourself. So it's not, if you have the time, I think people forget that there's a skill in actually making use of that time. So yeah, you actually have to plan things for yourself to do enjoyable things. You have to relax yourself, eat well, like go on outings and yourself. You actually have to treat it as if you're doing it for another person. Yeah. <laughs> or, or treat yourself like as importantly as you would have treated the other person. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I, I spent a bit longer at, at it. I felt I went through that and I, I began to really enjoy my own company. Like before I moved to Southampton and to live on my own, I uh, was quite reticent about uh, living on my own because nobody did it. Everybody like lives in shared apartments and stuff. But I, I kind of knew I'd be okay. And in, in different cultures, like like more introverted uh, cultures, uh, people live on their own quite often. And there's something really nice about getting to know yourself on your own. Like it's just, yeah. you get to know yourself in a different way where you're not kind of being responsive to the other person that you're yeah. with or whatever. That's, you're completely right. And, and planning things for yourself and making sure you enjoy your own time is paramount. And I went through two periods recently of living on my own. Uh, one was from uh, late November to early March um, of last year and this year. And a more recent time is from July up until the present day because my housemate is... Uh, not staying in the apartment currently and I the second time around I fucking loved it because <laughs> I, I've come through that whole thing of like being miserable on my own and not knowing what to do with myself and that type of stuff I've come out the other the other side and this time around it's it's thoroughly enjoyable and you know what it's nearly the best mix is if you're in a relationship and for some reason your partner is away for the day or away for even a night <laughs> Yeah. And you could really make the most of it because you know you're going back to the meaning of the relationship and the love yes. or whatever that you have in the relationship. But you yeah. can really enjoy being on your own and you've known that loneliness stuff, but not as much. That's it. And I, and I used to enjoy that back before uh, when I was in a long term relationship. Uh, yeah, you know, when you knew you had only one night or one day of freedom, <laughs> you, you made the fucking most of it. Like, But then when it's an endless abyss of freedom uh, and, and that's kind of sudden, that's kind of hard to stomach and you really have to kind of question yourself a bit. Yeah, abyss is a good is a good way to look at it, I think. But if you stick with it, you can't go through. I've abyss. used the word abyss on about four out of the last five podcasts. Including, including an episode of feckin' metal yeah <laughs> i don't know it's one of those words that's entered into my common regular vocabulary uh so i'm probably gonna stop saying it now because i'm overusing it okay it struck a chord with you and something else that struck a chord with me this week was my choice for song of the week excellent segue Thank you. And the song of the week, uh, the the motivation for it is that me and Liz were out walking um, last week or maybe 10 days ago. Um, and I would have brought it up for the song of the week that week, um, but uh, it was your turn. Um, but we were walking out on Sandy Mount Strand and we looked up and we saw this amazing uh, moon and it was just rising up and it was so uh, yellow and it was a mix of yellow and red and it was rising up quite quickly. So if you glanced up at it every couple of minutes, it had gone higher and higher and higher. And I've, we'd never seen anything like this. It was just lighting up the whole sky. It was reflecting on the sea. And then we looked up afterwards what it was. And it was 
one of the things that it's referred to as a harvest moon. And then that just reminded me of this really lovely Neil Young song. I've always liked it. Uh, well, I only heard it properly about two years ago, but I've always liked it since then. Uh, really, And then like the lyrics in this song are really nice. And he really captures what it's like to be under a harvest moon and a, a, like socializing and, and uh, still being in love with someone that he met when he was younger and stuff. So mm. I, I really like this song. I, I like as a, I apply it to my own relationship with Liz, who I'm marrying soon. Like I love those lines. I'm still in love with you, um, etc. Um, yeah. So so Harvest Moon yeah. and uh, I so love we, Neil we're going to play out on that. And sorry, I would just like to say I love Neil Young. He's my in my top two musicians of all time, along with Iron Maiden. Uh, it's an excellent song. Unfortunately, he's since broken up with Peggy Young, who he wrote the song about. Um, oh. Yeah, and he's run off with a younger actress, <laughs> Daryl Hannah. Uh, <laughs> oh no, he'll have to write a third verse. But uh, it's an excellent song and it's an excellent time captured on that album. Yes, so excellent choice. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Excellent, excellent. Uh, wow, that's a that's a turn for that song. <laughs> I'm still in love with you, but only for a certain amount of time. And then I will trade you in for a younger model. On this harvest moon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right, okay. We're just clocking in under the hour for this episode of the Second Check. Do you have any final words or anything to say at the end, Mr. Trainer? No, I'm all good. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we've been doing pretty well over the last month, two months, um, with downloads and stuff. So we really appreciate the increase in uh, listeners for the Second Check In. So thank you. Absolutely. And thank you. Come a little bit closer. What I have to say Just like children sleeping We could dream this night away But there's a
See you. 